0: Hey everyone, Kelby Bachman here to make a quick announcement before we get started. I have partnered with Gina Perry and Beat the Streets National in hopes to help raise money for their Gear Up campaign. The Gear Up campaign aims to provide youth with a new pair of wrestling shoes, headgear, and workout clothing. We've all been touched by wrestling in some shape or form, so now let us provide the same gift wrestling gave us to those who need it most. You can donate at national.beatthestreets.org slash letstalkwrestling or Help spread the word about the Gear Up campaign. You can find the link and more information about the campaign in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Now, let's talk some wrestling. and welcome to Season 2 of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman The song you just heard is Copperhead Road by Steve Earle And is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Carter Happel The Happels are one of the most decorated families in the state of Iowa And Carter Hales from Lisbon comes from a big family having four brothers and four sisters He's the oldest boy and the second oldest overall He was Iowa's 25th four-time state champion and finished his high school career with a record of 209-1. and He went on to wrestle at the University of Iowa, just like his father, Dean. Carter is now the head assistant at Cornell College. And if you have a chance, get out and support the Cornell Rams tonight as they compete against St. Ambrose and Iowa-Westland in Davenport, Iowa. They also compete at the Luther Open in Decor, Iowa this weekend. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Carter Happel. What's been going on?
1: Uh, we just got our wrestler put that put back together today for the most part at Cornell. Um, we had to get everything out of there while we had our uh, new construction of the new, like, athletic facility with the weight room and stuff because they were using it as, as kind of like a buffer zone to, like, kind of put stuff together, then walk it into the new building. So they just got out of there, and we just got all our stuff back in. So it's been exciting time Uh, nice yeah so you're you getting a new wrestling room or a new no just it's the same spot we just had to get all our stuff out because they were working on the room a little bit and they just kind of used it as a construction area because they built a brand new facility connected to the old one so okay like a new it's just new like locker rooms offices uh weight room exercise room athletic training room just a wow yeah, brand new project that they're just finished up. So nice, and this is all at Cornell. Yeah, in Mount Vernon, Iowa. A little, yep, a little,
0: that's awesome.
1: There's a big improvement. It's really nice. We got <laughs> yeah. we got spoiled pretty pretty good.
0: Yeah, they seem to support wrestling pretty pretty good there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been. I mean, they we've had a pretty. Well, I shouldn't say we, but Cornell has had a pretty uh, historic. Wrestling background, like all the way back to like the 1940s or 1920s, yeah. even. but uh, yeah, and like with Coach DeRoe, he's a legendary coach himself. So
0: yeah, you can say we, you know, your. Yeah, of I can't. <laughs> I
1: just was like, you know, I obviously wasn't even alive back then. But.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's it like being back in Mount Vernon? You know,
1: coaching in Mount Vernon. You know, like. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I'm from Lisbon, obviously. Right. I live back in Lisbon now, so. Um, I mean, I've always known what Cornell is. Mm. I was coached by guys that were coached by DeRoe and I was even kind of coached by DeRoe a little bit here and there just because I live next door. But I mean, I've always known what Cornell was and I knew, I mean, I've always known they've had a pretty rich wrestling history and then the Mount Vernon, Lisbon area is a pretty rich wrestling community. So, you yeah, yeah it's a good track to be.
0: Yeah, that's the truth. Didn't mean to jump right into it, but yeah, you're right. well, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what is it about Lisbon that just is continues to pump out quality teams and
1: wrestlers after quality wrestlers and teams. I know. I mean, I wish I had like a like there was a straightforward answer, but <laughs> it's. I think it just goes back to the history and the tradition, like what Brad Smith started in the '80s, and then he came back when I was a freshman and I mean, we started another thing and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of grown since then again. So, I mean, maybe he's just a really good coach. (laughs) Yeah. He's pretty good.
0: good. (laughs) What's it like? What's it like wrestling for him? I mean, so I didn't realize, I guess that he, he didn't coach Lisbon prior to your freshman
1: year. Right. So he went to, he coached Lisbon, I don't know when he started, like seventy-nine yeah. or eighty, and then he left in the early nineties and went to City High. And then he came back in twenty thirteen when I was a freshman, and he's still there. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of guys on my team in high school, and like all my buddies growing up, with their dad wrestled back in high school. Like he he coached them, and he mm-hmm. coached us. Yeah, so he' coached my dad, me, my brother, my other brother. And now my next brother, that's freshman <laughs> this year. So it's his fifth apple, and he coached my Jeez. uncle. So yeah, he's probably getting sick. of You guys, yeah. Well, he's no, I don't think so because he's, he's not retiring until the last apple graduates. So yeah, what year will that be? That'll be twenty twenty-eight, I think, because my youngest brother is going into eighth grade. Jeez, we'll see yeah. if he makes it that long though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: what else does he have left to prove? I guess
1: I don't know, but another—he also coached uh, the head coach here at Cornell, Coach Ham, when Coach because Coach Ham went to City High, so mm-hmm. he coached Coach Ham in high school too. So uh, we have all just cut from the same cloth. <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> is is Matt McDonough on the staff there? Yeah, so he's a part-time assistant now. Um, he got a different job last year, and then we and him, me and him, kind of just switched roles, mm-hmm. like back in uh, late October, early November. Yeah. So yeah, he's still around, and he that. runs his club that he started out of the Cornell room too. Yeah,
0: McDominate. Yep. I love that name. I don't know, just, just <laughs> I, help,
1: I I help him too with that, so it's nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What do you do? Are you like assistant at at McDominate at the McDominate Training I mean, Center? A yeah, technically. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm at, like, every practice, and I go to as many kids' tournaments as I can. So, yeah. Dang, so you kind of get the full grass. You're dealing with college kids and
0: rolling around with them, and then you're hanging out with kids. How how young do they go?
1: Like uh, kindergarten? Yeah. Well, I mean, we got five six-year-olds in there. A majority of our kids are probably fifth to eighth grade, kind of in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got – Obviously, some younger ones, but not many high schoolers, um, just like especially during high school season because they're busy with their high school practices and stuff. But in the summer, we'll get some kids from Lisbon, kids from Mount Vernon that trickle in, some Solon guys that'll come in, Yeah, some area people. Yeah. How do you compete not only at
0: Cornell with other D3 schools like the got Co., obviously, and Warburg and Loris and Luther? But also, like with McDominate, you know, you got Moan Wrestling Academy, you got Seabolt, uh, big, big game. Yeah. Um, it, like there's just tough wrestling everywhere. How do you compete trying to get them to come to you?
1: Well, I'll start with the first one Cornell, obviously, like that's my full time job. And I like, mm-hmm. I want us to be as best as we can be every year. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, we're in the, hot zone for D3 wrestling really in the state of Iowa with all those teams around and we're all at the same regional. So our regional is the hardest in the country. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just trying to kind of build the program back up and, mm-hmm. you know, with all, it's going to take one all American and then the next year we could have three, and the next year we could have five. I mean, mm-hmm. you just never know, but I mean, yeah, obviously we're kind of, behind those other teams right now but I mean time will tell in the future mm-hmm. we I mean what I'm I think we have a really bright future we had a really good class come in this year a lot of young guys that are motivated on our team I mean we have four seniors on our team and one junior so we got a young team and mm-hmm. they're all hard workers and they're hungry for the win mm-hmm. so we'll see this year will be fun Mm-hmm. Well, like the club aspect me and mcdonough are just he don't he knows like there's clubs out there like they're super clubs they're gonna win and all like he's not in it to win club stuff mm-hmm. he's in it to help the kids as am i like i want to help the kids get them better um whatever's best for the kid like we're not going to club dual tournaments and all these tournaments to win them we're just we're coaching the kids and we're making them better at wrestling and hopefully better young men and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, clubs like that, I feel maybe a little bit, get overlooked. I mean, you clubs like McDominate play a big role in the sport of wrestling, you know, just as much as Seabolt, even though they're out there winning, you know, doing their thing, but like you just hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, how many kids are coming to you that are going to wrestle D three and still have successful careers? maybe not you know d1 national champ but still be impacted by the sport
1: yeah for sure and uh i mean i know if i was a kid like everyone's got their club like mcdonough just started his club like Mm -hmm. last march so it's been like a year and a half so i mean he's built from the ground up and all these Mm -hmm. other clubs i mean they've started four five six seven years ago Mm -hmm. so i mean even if we were competing to try to be the best, we're nowhere near. Yeah. Because every all everyone's already at clubs. Like they're not gonna leave a club that they like and have a good coach just to come there. But if I was a kid and I had no club and I had been wrestling for two or three years and I lived in this area, like that's where I'd be going. Matt mm-hmm. McDonough was coaching. He's mm-hmm. one of the best technicians I've ever seen. He knows so much about the sport of wrestling and he's been obviously very successful. So I mean and that's a lot of the kids that we do get. A lot of kids that come to his club are I mean, Mount Vernon kids that are Solon kids that are wrestled three years maybe and all they've ever done is mat pack. So they start they're like, Oh, I want to get better at wrestling, I'm gonna go to a club. And that's honestly a lot of the kids that we have are kids that are that wanna get better and are trying to improve and outside just their mat pack or their school program. So mm-hmm.
0: And who'd you wrestle for? Was it the, was it like the Lions wrestling club or Lisbon? Um. So,
1: I mean, how far do you want to go back? <laughs> like third grade? Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. Like, where did the apple third tree? Grade, was there was no super clubs. Like there was no like club wrestling. Like mm-hmm. it was all mat pack stuff. So like I went to Prairie Hammer and Hawks because that was basically I, everyone in the area went to those practices and it was just doggy dog in there. Like I would like Max Thompson, Hunter Washburn, Matt Wimpin, Sawyer Amling, Bryce Paul. All those yes. guys were just fighting tooth and nail at each other. Third and fourth graders, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was a crazy room. And then we got the big, obviously the older kids in there too. That seventh and eighth graders in there too, because it's kind. It was like a. First through eighth grade clubs, so I mean, you got older guys in there, and you got young guys in there, and we're all—I <laughs> mean, all those names I listed—very yeah. successful. But um, after that, um, clubs kind of started to come about. Like DC Lead, I was the first one that I can remember going to I when I was like seventh grade. And even then I didn't really go very much. I kind of just went to the Lisbon Mat Pack because we had a good group that would come. Even some people from Cedar Rapids area would come to the Lisbon workouts just because obviously my dad coached it and we had a good program there and people wanted to come get good workouts. And um, after that, I think Eastern Iowa Wrestling Club Mm, going okay, that. Okay. Joey Slayton was the coach, and they he helped me a lot in high school for sure. Um, and they trained out of the Iowa room, so I liked that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember
0: back in the day, back in my day, the big the big one was the Cedar Valley Mat Club.
1: Yeah, I think CVMC. That, I think a lot of that went to like Hawk or the Hammer and Hawks Club as well. Mm. So there was kind of a mix there. Yeah, but yeah, we had some hammers in that room. Yeah, and a lot of those when DC Elite came about, a lot of those kids went to just went to DC Elite from there. So then everyone started going to DC Elite, and then that room became DC Elite, and then DC Elite was like the place to be when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, and a little bit in my in high school. But I went to, I started going to, uh, well, my freshman year big game started Dylan started at my freshman year and I went there for like one summer because that was all they did in Iowa. Then Dylan moved to Montana and took the club with him. And then Slayton went to Eastern Iowa wrestling club. So then I followed Slayton there, but Slayton and Dylan started big game together, kind of they started coaching. And then I went there for one summer and then he moved to Montana. So then I went to Eastern Iowa and then I stayed there until I graduated.
0: You've been all over the place. That is that, Do you think that's a good thing, that you've been all
1: over and wrestled all sorts oh, yeah. of different? Yeah. I've wrestled all sorts of competition in the practice room and tournaments and dual meets and anything you could wrestle in, I probably wrestled in. Except I never went to, like, some of those bigger tournaments when I was younger, like Tulsa and stuff like that, or even, like, folks out postseason nationals. Really? Not sure why. Just never yeah. did yeah. So I played other sports too. Like when I was young, I wanted to, I jumped right into baseball. I liked playing baseball and i do the freestyle and record stuff, but baseball and football and that stuff. But then when I got to high school, I focused in more on wrestling. Yeah. Cause
0: Lib- Lisbon was like, they were pretty dang good at football too when you were in high
1: school. Well, the my eighth grade year they won state. Oh, okay, maybe it was before. Yeah, okay, with like and then were, we in all them. Good. We were pretty good. We were I played freshman and sophomore year. We were pretty good. We made it to the playoffs. Um, and then after that I stopped because I wanted to wrestle year round. But yeah. even then they were still pretty good, and they're still pretty good now. Like I think they're ranked in. the top five in class a right now they're, yeah. but they're pretty good they, were, yeah, they yeah. were like 12 and one last year or like 11 and one last year or something jeez, yeah yeah they, they they just have a good seems like a good sports program i think their baseball team was pretty good our men's yeah. or our boys uh sports at lisbon and they, even the girls have been pretty good as of lately but our boys have always been pretty good at a lot like yeah. track one state like four out of six years or something like that jeez Baseball made it to the playoffs a lot. Um, They got second one year, like when Austin Crowe was on their team. Um, He played baseball at TCU. Oh dang! Really? He actually just got drafted by the Padres. What? Yeah.
0: Nice. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Lisbon produces some good athletes. Which is which is like when you think about it, like it's just. It's crazy, you know, like, it's not this huge populous city,
1: you know, that you would it's think like it was. like 2,500 people, maybe.
0: Right. And, I mean, back back when I was in high school, they were actually combined, at least for some sports, at least for cross country, they were combined with Mount Vernon.
1: Yeah, I think, well, uh, like, soccer, cross country, they still combined. Mm-hmm. Because Lisbon just can't, they don't have enough to field a full soccer team and cause there's like three or four people that want to play soccer. So like, <laughs> play soccer, but yeah, cross country, when you put the Lisbon and Mount Vernon cross country kids together, they're really good. Like my right. brother Quincy, who just graduated ran cross country and they always did pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They always did pretty well when I was in high school too. Yeah. You know, I'm 30, so I'm what, five years maybe ahead of you, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, um, Shifting focus here, I want to talk a little bit about, about your wrestling career. Um, you kind of referenced your dad was your coach, you know, in junior high, you know. Did did you ever feel like you were kind of in his shadow a little bit and that you needed to make a name for yourself? Or did that not even really occur to you that, you know, he was who he was, three-time state champ, wrestled at Iowa,
1: you know? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so at all, really, just because – I don't, when I started having success, like I had success when I was really young. So I didn't really know that much like that. Like I obviously knew my dad was a three time state champ wrestler at D1 level, but like I don't know what that means. I was like third grade. So I mean, when you start having success young and I was already starting to make a name for myself, there was no, I I didn't, I mean, I didn't feel like I had to do good because he did good. no. So I just went out and I love the sport. So I just went out and made a name for myself so just by going out there and winning stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So it just kind of, just kind of happened. It seems like you just, you yeah. went out there and won and people. Were but and- I won because he was, he's a really good coach. And I'm very fortunate to have him as a dad and as a coach. Yeah. So he is definitely. He's a big part of my success especially at the early age and Mm -hmm. i mean i learned i was very technical very good like technically because of him and it just kind of grew and grew as based off what i learned when i was young so yeah yeah he he's uh, a lot of credit goes towards him for sure
0: yeah. Was it difficult having him as a dad and a coach? I mean, I had my uncle as my head coach a couple of years in high school before I moved to Monticello. And, you know, I know that's a weird dynamic, but having a coach as your father, like what did that have some challenges to a little bit?
1: Yeah. Only when I got older though. Yeah, I liked it when I was younger. Cause like, that's all I knew. Like he was my coach. He's always in my corner. Took me to every tournament coach at every tournament he was at basically every practice because and even when I was at, when I was young going to hammer and Hawks, he was like in the practice helping run the workouts. So the only time he didn't coach when I was young, when I'd go to like club workouts or like when I was in high school, he wasn't on the staff, my freshman and sophomore year, I don't think, but I mean, he was still around. And um, he started coaching again, by my junior and senior year, I think. And it was just, that's when it was difficult because like, I'd already gone two years without him and um, him coming back into the scene. And I knew like, I wanted to go to college and wrestle and all that stuff by then. So like, I just, I wanted to be coached by someone else because I knew when I went to college, I obviously was going to be coached by someone else. So there's actually one match where I got mad at him that I won't ever forget because it was just funny. It was at, like, Mount Vernon Invite my senior year. Mm-hmm. And this kid hit, like, a slide by on me on the edge of the mat. So we went out of bounds. And he told me something. And I, like, was already telling myself that in my head. And then he said it. And I was just, like, for whatever reason, I just was, like, I don't need to hear that. Which, I I mean, he's just doing what he knows. He's coaching me. But I, I was just already ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was, like, oh, I don't want to hear that. And then I went on and won the match. And then, I, well, wait, wait, back up. He, It was like between periods and he was yelling at me. And I like sh- shoot him off like to get out of the corner because I was like, I got this. I got this. I was just being stubborn. <laughs> but then after the match, I was just like, I don't want you to be in the corner anymore. <laughs> so, but. I think I, it wasn't a tight match. I think I pinned or whatever, but I was just like, for whatever reason, it just like something went off in my head and I just got irritated and stubborn. And, but yeah,
0: I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to like smile, but like, I'm over here. Like, yeah, if I could count how many times that happened, you know, where you're just in the heat of the moment and you're just like, you just, I, I it's fine. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like, But also on the other side of things, I mean, he was right there on the side of my mat when I won my four state title, which yeah. that's the only, like, exactly where I wanted him to be. Like, I hugged him. Oh, I hugged Coach Smith and my assistant, uh, Coach Buttress, and then he was right there, like, right there on the mat, which was, like, it meant a lot to me. So, yeah. and he didn't say anything in the match that I know of, at least. He, <laughs> probably, he probably did. But, um, yeah, so it was – I liked having him around. Yeah. You. Know, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you yeah, like
0: I can get the two the two uh instances you you kind of explain like the one where it's just this tournament, you know, and he's in there and you're just kind of All right, hey, back off. But yeah. then also you want him there when you you know make history and for the big moments, you obviously sure. want him there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, was yeah. it was there a bunch of relief after you won your fourth one like, you know, was that always the plan like I'm going to win four state titles. That's what I want to do. And then when you finally win all four, you're like, whew, yes. I
1: don't know because, like, I knew, yeah, that was the plan. Like, I went to the state tournament when I was a seventh grader and eighth grader. And my eighth grade year, Corey Clark and John Meeks won. Mm -hmm. So I got to see that. And I'm up there like comparing myself to the guys at like 1A, 120 or whatever weight I was. And I was like, I could have won the tournament this year. So then the next year when I went and I was like, I could, I thought I would, could win last year. I'm way better this year. Let's just go win. So then <clears throat> I ended up winning my freshman year and then sophomore year I win again. And then by that point, like, I know I'm going to win. Like, I'd have to, like, I just know. Because, like, wrestling so com- Like, it's all about confidence. Like, if you don't go into a match knowing, at least thinking that you're going to win the match, like, you might as well not go out there because mm-hmm. it's not going to go your way. Because that guy's trying to beat you just as bad as you're trying to beat him. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I just knew I was at such a higher level than at least the guys in – my weight class in 1A um, that I was going to get the job done for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, was the first one also a relief? I mean, like, is there a difference between the first and second and third and fourth? Like, are there, is there much of a difference between winning?
1: So, like, my freshman year was probably the most relieving because I had never been there before. I, I think I was ranked I was ranked pretty high going into it, but then like into the season, but then I like worked my way up. I was ranked two going into the tournament, and then the guy that was ranked first got pinned by the uh, Wilton kid that I beat at sectionals and districts and earlier that year. So when I went into the finals match, I was very confident. Uh-huh. But then we went into overtime, which we hadn't done all year, and then I ended up getting a takedown. So then I was very, like, just thrill, rush, relief everything Mm -hmm. then my sophomore year was probably i mean i didn't get more relief from winning that one but i was probably more nervous going into that one because of all the hype around me and washburn because i was a sophomore had one state championship and he was a junior and had two state titles then we wrestled second round so because that was before they seeded it and that's just Mm -hmm. how the bracket fell so but after i won that match i mean I knew I was probably gonna win that, that tournament. Mm-hmm. And then junior year, I mean I was confident about that. And then the only person that what uh that was probably gonna give me fits was Glosser. And he got beat by Brisker from Wilton, who I had beaten at districts and earlier in mm-hmm. the year, like the same situation. And then senior year I was just I knew. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not a huge hypothetical fan because, you know, asking hypothetical questions because it didn't happen. So I don't like to, but just to like, what would have changed you think if you would have actually gotten taken down instead of getting that take down your freshman year? Freshman year?
1: You know, like. I think, I mean, freshman year, just like, obviously it would hurt. Like mm -hmm. it would hurt pretty bad. But I mean, you're a freshman, you got three year, more years to go win three state titles. Like, that's a lot different. Senior year now, that would just be crushing, like, just awful. Like, I would have gotten – I don't know. People say, oh, I would have quit if I lost senior year. But, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't like the sport enough, you you wouldn't quit. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have quit, but I would have been down for quite a while. Freshman yeah. year, I think it would have been not as bad. Yeah. <laughs> cuz you still got 3 years.
0: Yeah. Did did you ever like you know your dad won 3 so you up him and win 4? Did you ever like kind of rub elbows on that or uh? no? I actually
1: remember answering this question after I won my 4 state title. <laughs> yeah. Someone asked is it going to be like a a big thing and I was like no, I mean we've never really talked about it. It's it's more of a joke than anything. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I mean, have you have you kind of reflected back on the Happel family tree of wrestling and how successful you guys have been?
1: Yeah, it's sometimes. I mean, it's just kind of crazy to think about. I mean, actually, we had a kid on campus here yesterday, and we were talking about just the area of of the wrestling community in Lisbon, and me being from there, and um, then we got brought up how my dad won three and I won four and my brother won four. And I I was like, it's really crazy to think about how me and Kale's four state titles happened eight years in a row. That's crazy
0: (laughs) to me. Yeah, you're right. Um, What's your secret? I want to hear your secret. What's your secret to winning, to winning state titles. You got to have some kind of secret
1: in that Apple. I don't know. <laughs> Even if I did, I
0: wouldn't be it. that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. The success you guys have had and continue to have, it's just, it's unprecedented. You know, like I, I talked to Bart Ryder about a month or two ago and like, you know, the writers is a big name and exactly. it seems you guys are just like zooming right on by. It's kind of crazy. I mean, know, yeah. they're not far behind. Right, right. Yep, agreed. But you know, but they're still behind, I guess. You know, and you guys are just—it's just—it's impressive.
1: I don't know. Hopefully, we can pad the stats a little bit more with the next two brothers. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it'd be tough to beat for sure. I like yeah, eight titles is in one family a lot, but. You can't. Not every family can say they got a dad with three state titles and then five boys to go and try to win more state titles. That's true. That's true. My dad probably planned that out. Say, we gotta keep having more boys. We ought to have most state titles in the, in the state of Iowa. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. Five. That's. I mean, your mom must have been just. She just kind of let you let you run and let you do your thing. Yeah.
1: Well, my mom is. A, she's a super mom yeah 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 we she homeschooled all of us really so i mean i have four sisters too if you didn't know that there's nine didn't kids, know that right holy there's cow. nine nine kids in my family my sister oldest sister she went to school until third grade i think and i went to like preschool and then i went to alternative kindergarten then i went to kindergarten um and then I started, I was homeschooled from first grade until ninth grade. I didn't go to public school until high school. So, Interesting. How, how so difficult was all her kids at some point in their life. How difficult
0: was that going? Like, did you still know some of the kids at your high school? Oh, yeah. Lisbon is okay. a small
1: enough town to where you still know everyone. Because yeah. I'm doing sports with them all still. And, I mean, you're running around together and all yeah. that stuff. So when I went to school, like, I wasn't nervous because I didn't know anyone. I knew yeah. I knew basically everyone.
0: Yeah. What's the homeschool scene like? I mean, I think, you know, there might be some sort of perception about what it it is and isn't, you know, like set the record straight, like homeschooling, what describe that, I guess.
1: Um, It's kind of hard for me to remember a lot of it, but I mean, when I got into like, when I was young, like my mom just taught us like life skills like just we went grocery shopping with her and we'd do math on the tax for the on the receipt we'd go to museums and all this stuff and just learn history at museums and like we didn't do a lot of reading a book Mm -hmm. in textbook like when i got older i did a little bit more of that but Mm -hmm. when i was young like she would just take us places and we would learn we'd go to like the children's museum in coralville and we'd go to Mm -hmm. museums and Iowa city, like the one on campus and Mm -hmm. learn stuff that way. Um, But then there's also like a homeschool building in Marion that you can go and like buy curriculum from and kind of like the homeschool program for the Marion area, Mm -hmm. which we went to a lot, like they'd hold classes and stuff. So, I mean, I remember taking an art class there, a science class there, where we like dissected a pig one time. (laughs) Yeah. Just a bunch of different stuff like that. Um, and then she would just check out curriculum and programs from there. And like, I remember like my eighth grade year, my math was, I had a teacher that I'd plug in a DVD and check chapter one and he would go through a lesson and I would follow along and do problems. And then my parents would check them. And if they were right, I got, I I mean, we didn't really do grades. Like if I was doing, if I was struggling then obviously, Mm -hmm. I needed help, but I didn't really struggle in a lot of stuff. And then when I transitioned into high school, I wasn't behind by any means. That's for sure. Really
0: awesome. That, that seems like a, a pretty, pretty nice, like, um, what do I want to say? You know, that seems a lot better than what people thought. Like if you say, yeah, I was homeschooled, you know, like that seems like a pretty, pretty awesome thing that you were able to do with your mom and life skills, like you were saying.
1: The way my mom did it is way different from like the stereotype of homeschooling. Right. Like people think homeschooling, oh, you're sheltered. You don't know anyone. All you do is sit at home. No. Like we did. I did so much stuff. And my house was like actually the place to be at when I was young. Like my neighbors would be there. Everyone's coming over. We're playing whistle ball in the backyard. We got a trampoline. We're doing stunt tricks and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, that's where everyone was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with nine kids. I mean, wow. There's nine kids in my family, but on any given night, like on, in the summer, there's up to, like, 20 kids. We are playing kick <laughs> in the backyard, and, yeah.
0: That's awesome. So That's all the on.
1: kids are over, and, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, did you – so um, being the oldest boy, did you have some – challenges or some experiences that maybe you had to set the pathway for, for your younger brothers at
1: all, or just like in life.
0: Yeah. Or on the map, both. I mean, was there something that, you know, you kind of were the, you kind of bared the torch there. I mean,
1: in wrestling, I think, I mean, I think they just wanted to kind of follow in my footsteps. Obviously, Kale, he wanted to one up me. Yeah. And then, when Kale and me both went four, then Quincy hadn't really had much success. I mean, I think that kind of played a role in his career a little bit, just because his brothers and his dad were so successful, and he couldn't really get the job done. But I mean, his senior year, he was he was the best rest, the best Quincy Apple I've ever seen wrestle. But um, I don't know; it's kind of hard to. I can't really put myself in his shoes, but mm-hmm. I just, that's just how I feel in life. Like in just general life. I don't know. I think, I mean, we're all, we're just close. So like we didn't really have like struggles with each other, like with our family, we're just a tight knit, big unit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, that's a
0: interesting point. You bring up your brother Quincy, And then you have, you know, two other brothers. Did you talk to him much about maybe him feeling a lot of pressure being a Happel, his two older brothers, one, four, and he wasn't having the same success? Like, did you talk about that? Or did he express that that was Um, kind of struggling for him?
1: I don't, I don't think that we ever really talked about it like that. Like sat him down and said, are you feeling this? Are you feeling that? But I'm sure my mom has had that conversation with him. But I just—it's just, I just uh, what I, what I could see and feel just from what him watching him wrestle throughout in the in the year, and then watching him wrestle at the state tournament was like a completely different guy. So it's just what I saw, and then his senior year, he was like he had he probably gave Marcel Lopez his closest match all year, and he was four times state champion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he just – he was right there all four years of his high school. He could just never, like, win that match to get him on the podium or get him into the semifinals or whatever it was. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's why it's why I think pressure a little bit, nerves. Mm-hmm. You know? And then it didn't happen his freshman year, and then it didn't happen his sophomore year, and then it didn't happen his junior year. So his senior year was – he must something must have clicked for him because he looked really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where what's he up to now? Where's Quincy at now? He's well. I recruited him to come to Cornell, but <laughs> he uh, he was over, done with school and he's doing. Uh, he's got an apprenticeship with a local electric electric company. Nice. Yeah. He wanted to be, be hands on with something, so he kind of thought for he sure. wanted be, he wanted to go into engineering, but he was done with the school work
0: mm-hmm. and.
1: He, he would have came if he would have came here, he would have done a cross country too. Really? But I think he was just over sports and school and just wanted to get into the workforce and make some money. Yeah. How's that recruiting your brother? Are you heavily involved in
0: recruiting, being the yeah. head assistant? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I recruit
0: every day, all day long. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. what was that like trying to, you know, get your brother to come? It was,
1: it was weird at first. Like when they came to visit, mm-hmm my mom and him both showed up and it was actually, I think they were, if they weren't my first one, they were one of my first couple, like when I f- first started last year, like coming to the visits and stuff mm-hmm. or in the the recruiting and stuff. Um, so it was, I was still kind of learning how to do it. So they were a good tool for me to learn, um, obviously, cause I know them, but uh it was weird at first and then he's probably one of the only guys that I can actually hound on and like text him and be like what are you thinking And all this stuff, <laughs> I'm not going to do that to any other recruit but him being my brother and when he was like kind of on the fence about what he wanted to do I was very like trying to convince him and mm-hmm. and he was like I don't want to do it. And then I was like, I'll give him a month and I'll ask him again. And then I'll say, give him a month and again, I'll ask him again. I'm still kind of hoping he gets um fired from his electrician job and <laughs> like, oh, I gotta come mess <laughs> my
0: Well, it goes without saying you have a pretty um, you know, you have a pretty good mentor that you could look to in Ryan Morningstar, you know. I mean, he's big time recruiter and obviously mm-hmm. at Iowa and Lisbon guy. So you don't have to look too far to ask for pointers. I'm sure.
1: Oh uh, yeah, definitely. He's, <laughs> he's pretty good at what he does for sure. And mm-hmm. he's a big reason why I went wanting to go to Iowa. So. Yeah.
0: why? How did you end up at Iowa? Is that, I mean, I think a lot of perception, obviously your dad went there. So it just seemed like you were going to go there. You won four. And so on to Iowa would be, you know. Yeah, I think a lot
1: of... of other schools thought that, exactly what you just said, because I didn't really get recruited by very many schools. Like, mm-hmm. I got recruited by Iowa, you and I, Iowa State, Minnesota, Penn State, um, Wisconsin, like, like, I'm talking, like, actually talking to me, like, asking me to come on visits and stuff like that. Other than those schools, like our uh, Notre Dame, their division two. Well other than those schools, I mean, I didn't really get much from other schools. Like maybe a text and be like, Hey, this is so and so. We're interested in recruiting you and then but like I would get calls from all those other schools, but then it kind of all just dwindled. Like they just stopped talking to me because I think they were all just like, He's gonna go to Iowa. But Yeah. I mean, I only visited Iowa and you and I like officially, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just was always a Hawk fan. My dad went there. Coach Smith went there. Mm -hmm. Royce went there. Ryan went there. Um, I practiced in their room three nights a week, you know? So Mm -hmm. it was just, it would have taken a lot for me to not go there, which I actually did like you and I, and I like coach Schwab a lot, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I just I just liked Iowa more. Yeah, and I wouldn't trade my experience there for any other place. Mm-hmm. Even no, I didn't have the career I might have wanted, but I it's that's just where I wanted to be, and it was a great time and the best coaches and that I I mean even now like me and Tom and Terry and Ryan's relationships are just really good so Mm -hmm. yeah how did you like
0: how did your expectations change I guess you know you were not consistently the starter and so like did you ever think about going somewhere else and competing for a starting job somewhere else or you know did you just like were
1: you just 100% in and gonna make it work no matter what I was a lot of people ask me that question, even when I was there, like my friends or like my mom would ask, like, how are you doing there? Like all this stuff. But I never thought about even, even like the only time that I would have left is after my first year, because my whole, a lot like half my class left, like my freshman year, after my freshman year, Brock Rathbun, Jack Wagner, mm-hmm. Matt Malcolm, they were all like my tight close friends. Cause we mm-hmm. all lived together. They all transferred. So I th- think that might've been the only time, but even when they were doing it, I wasn't thinking about it at all. Like not at once. I was like, you guys aren't leaving. You guys aren't leaving. You're not going to leave. And then they left and I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> what's going on?" Yeah. But, uh, no, we're all still close. So, um, Yeah. I just, even later in my career, when I wasn't the starter, I was like, I'm staying. I love it here. I don't care. Because I mean, what, like my sister would give me crap all the time. Like you're not even the starter, all this stuff. Like, I don't care. Who are they supposed to, who are the starters supposed to wrestle if they don't have any teammates? They can't wrestle each other every day. So like, I'm doing my part on the team just as much as they're doing their part. Obviously, they're the ones out there wrestling the matches and scoring the points and winning in matches and stuff. But, like, I'm grinding with them every day to make them better because I'm on the team and I want the team to do as best as we can. So, and I'm working just as hard as they are so that if I do need to step in, which I had to a lot, Mm -hmm. I'm ready to. So,
0: yeah. Wow, that's... (laughs) that's just a pretty powerful message there, you know, that the team is greater than the 10 that step out on the mat, For mm-hmm. sure. you know, and I think that kind of gets lost some somewhat, you know, we, us as fans get focused on the 10 scoring the points, like you're saying, and we forget about the 20 other guys in the room that are
1: mm-hmm.
0: grinding and making them better.
1: Yeah, and the coaching staff that we at Iowa, I would never want to look across the opposing corner and see Terry Brands in the opposite corner. So or Tom Brands or Ryan or Telford, but like just I know how Terry is in the corner, and I would not want to be on the other bench getting chirped at by Terry. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's more than just ten guys out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you might have to be on the opposite side because Iowa has wrestled Cornell in the past. I know. Oh, yeah. Actually, Tom, um, with last summer, or not last summer, obviously, but the beginning of the season last year, uh, who was Iowa supposed to wrestle? Was it Oregon State and they couldn't make it because of weather or whatever? Yeah, and then I think they wrestled Army? They wrestled Army. Tom called me and was like, do you guys have anyone in town? Because it was over Thanksgiving break. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. He was like, we're trying to find a duel. And I was like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) If we had our guys, there's just no way. There's just Mm -hmm. no way. But they found one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) they have, we have wrestled. They Mm -hmm. actually, I wasn't a part of that ever. They, my senior year was the last year they did that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, I know it
0: was quite a few years ago they wrestled, yeah, Cornell and Iowa center, I think was, mm-hmm. was the was triangular. The team
1: wrestled at Cornell and he wrestled Mike Evans twice, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> didn't go well for
0: him. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: <laughs> um,
0: you know, I think also what gets lost is you're still competing with the team. You're, you're going to opens, you're competing there, you mm-hmm. know, um, sometimes unattached, sometimes attached. You know, um, another question I thought of was just about how you handled the pressure, succeeding at the college level with the accolades that you had from high school, you know, carrying that over and the pressure that maybe you put on yourself or other people put on you. Like, you know, I mean, did that ever play a role in you or did you just kind of? Let it be known that that's the, what it
1: was the pre, the pressure of being like having success in high school, trying to translate that into college. I didn't get, I wasn't feeling pressure for that. Like, oh, I have to do good. My freshman year, like my redshirt year, I was I pretty. I think I went like twenty three and three or something, mm-hmm. and I won a couple of tournaments. I had a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the year after that, my freshman year, me and Vince Turk were going back and forth for the starting spot. And that's when I started feeling pressure because like if I'm out there and I lose like starting spots gone, he, it's his turn now. And if he loses then maybe I'll get my sec- my, another chance. So like I almost wrestled not to lose a lot just because like I can't go out here and have a bad performance. Otherwise I'm out. And then, so then almost affected my wrestling in that way and just not going out and letting loose like I'm used to. And trying to score points and winning matches that way. I was just trying to, you know, go out there and win at, or not win, don't lose, right, Mm -hmm. really. So I struggled with that. That was the main thing I struggled with more than anything probably. And a lot of the times we didn't even know who was going to wrestle until 133 was either up or over. Like it was a – we actually coin flipped once for who was going to wrestle. Before the duel, we were gonna we were about to start warming up, and he and we got pull-outs to the hallway, and he flipped the coin, and my side landed, and I wrestled. No kidding. Yeah, I was that, against Maryland my freshman year. That had to be tough. Yeah. You know. It was. It was just hard on me mentally. Yeah. Especially the ones like when I wrestled at Ohio State that year, we didn't know who was gonna wrestle until one thirty three pounders went out there. So then it's just hard. It was just hard on me to get myself ready to go because I didn't know for sure if I was wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I was almost like I was getting ready, but like not to where I would be getting ready. If I knew I was going out there, it was just hard on me to get used to because yeah. I was never, I had never been put in that situation in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even, I didn't even wrestle in a wrestle off in high school. Like everyone just knew I was going to be, out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was a starter. So it was just hard for me to adjust and then mm. my second year didn't really have that as much cuz i just couldn't beat max maren i just he would just always get the better of me mm. and then after that i was behind ironman so i and i couldn't beat him either so yeah so you know it wasn't for a lack
0: of trying you know you were just unfortunately that's iowa you know there's just you're right there with some of the guys because I'm sure you were right there with Max. Yeah,
1: Ooh, you know. I mean, me and Max would it'd be one takedown, he'd win three to one or four to two or whatever, five mm-hmm. to three. I think he beat me at Midland's like five to two or something. Mm-hmm. But that was probably the most scoring we've ever had in a match. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time it was three to one or three to two or four to two, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I think a lot of response
0: to that with you saying that, like, it was hard for you to mentally get ready because you didn't know if you were going to wrestle is obviously everyone's going to be like, well, maybe you should prepare like you're going to start every time, you know, isn't that kind of the mindset, but like, that's, it's, it's easy. It's hard. Sorry. It's harder than that. Sure. It's easy to say, well, you should prepare every time, like you're going to wrestle, but it's it's not that easy. I mean,
1: it was easier for me when I was put in that situation later in my career. Um, but like, like I said, I had never been in that situation. Mm-hmm. I was always a starter for everything. So then when I'm not, and I'm trying to get ready, not knowing if I'm going to wrestle or not is just different. Cause I was just, it's just new to me. So it just messed with me mentally and not that I did, did bad, because of it i'm not gonna put my performance on that but it was just hard for me to adjust to
0: for sure and i think i think anybody who would be put in a brand new position like that would probably you know you don't know how you're gonna react it's easy for people to say well you should have just done this well it's not that easy You know, and like you're saying, you never did it before. You were so successful, and now all of a sudden things are kind of juggling a little bit, and it's new, and you're young, and you're 18, and it's just – there's just a lot of factors that go into that.
1: Right, and it's nothing against the coaching staff because they're trying to put the best team out there on the mat they can. Mm -hmm. And me and Turk were so close that year. Like, I beat some guys that he didn't – he lost to. He beat a couple guys that I lost to. He beat me once. Um, we were kind of back and forth in the room a little bit but he always beat me in matches but then I beat some guys that he couldn't beat and I placed higher than him at midlands so um, it was just hard decision because he was he did get better than me in matches but mm-hmm. in tournaments I did I did a little better than him at midlands I got six and he lost in the blood round but he was the better wrestler than me matchup wise, like in a match. Um, But yeah, it was just hard. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in that position as a coach. (laughs) Yeah. That, that shows the flaw
0: a little bit in the wrestle off. You know, some people think that, Hey, wrestle wrestling's easy. You wrestle the two guys and whoever wins, that's who you put out there, but that's not how it works. Maybe in high school, maybe in high school, but yeah, when you get to college and everyone's
1: kind of, right. And me and Derek did have a wrestle-off that year, like a week before Big Tens, because it was just too close. And he beat me. I don't remember what the score was. It was close. I think he beat Mm -hmm. me, like, two points. But, yeah, so it it was just – he went. Mm -hmm. But at that point, like, at the end of the year, it's hard. Mm -hmm. So it's almost what you have to do, or you just make a judgment call, and then one guy's – pissed and the other guy's happy and then yeah. you might lose a guy because who knows if they went with me then Turk gets upset and he might transfer or yeah. vice versa so I mean you almost have to in that situation mm-hmm. gosh yeah a lot of, a lot of good tough information there that you're kind of
0: bringing to light like inside information you know like right. what made you stay like did you ever get mad and be like god dang it That should be me. I'm out of here. You know, like, that is what's obviously going on more so that we think, more so now with how the transfer rules are. But, I mean, did that ever dawn
1: on you to be like, I'm out of here? No. That year, no. No years. But that year after it happened, it was just like, whatever, he beat me. It's his his turn. And then, I don't know, it was just just how it went. Mm Mm-hmm. Just dealt with it, moved on. I,
0: yeah, I. Sorry, I kind of asked that question earlier. Yeah, yeah but it a little different
1: context. But yeah.
0: Um, but um, some people might think that that's the anomaly. You know, that other people, more so, more likely than not, in your shoes would have left and transferred. Is that the case, or do you think it's more people are staying
1: than? Than what well, you think now? No, I think yeah. people are gone. Like, but with like you said, with the rules now and all of the transfers that we've seen as of late, like within the last two three years, okay. people are gone. I like I I think probably eighty percent of people if that if that happens to them, not the way. Not I'm not saying that what happened to me was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying if they had, didn't get a wrestle off or whatever, and they wanted to wrestle off, like they're gone. Mm-hmm. 80% of people if they're mm-hmm. asking the coach for wrestle off and the coach says no we're going with him even though that kid might think he can beat that other kid it's I mean people are they want to wrestle so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people that are willing to accept the fact that you're on the team that you want to be on because of the reasons you want to be on that team they want to go and wrestle which I mean I don't blame them I mean, I want to. I want to re- wrestle too. But I just didn't see myself being any other place than University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I didn't want to be anywhere else. Even if I could have started and won a conference title somewhere else and made the national tournament, maybe all American. I don't. I mean, I didn't. Well, I didn't see myself doing that anywhere else because I couldn't see myself being on any other team. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be on the University of Iowa wrestling team hmm
0: Yeah. And to your point, you know, we're not sitting here saying that all oh, kids are crybabies and they're leaving or coaches are making bad decisions and they're leaving, but just sometimes circumstances happen that lead them to, you know, want to compete, like you're saying.
1: Right. And I think some people leave without really thinking about it or taking a little bit of time mm-hmm. to really think about it. They just get upset and they're gone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, have you? My place to say, really. Right. Yeah. Um.
0: Have has Cornell seen? Like, have you guys been? I know you've only been there a year, but have you seen or been impacted, Cornell wise? Have they been m- impacted by people being able to transfer a little more freely than they have in the past? Um. No. You don't really see transfers in D three very often or people coming down from D1 to D3 or D2 to D3.
1: I mean there might be more there's more division 1 division 2 falling in transferring into D3 than there is division 3 kids transferring to another division 3 school. Okay. Just because for whatever reason someone went D1 or D2 and they didn't have success and they want to have success for, and they transferred into a division three school, but, um, there's not much D three to D three. I feel like if someone stops wrestling at a school, it's cause they just don't want to wrestle anymore. So they quit mm-hmm. or, or for whatever reason, but, um, I haven't really seen much D three to D three. Mm-hmm. There's more, d1 d2 down to d3 for sure well there's not a lot of it but mm. i think they that than going to a different division three school
0: and i think they're in for a rude awakening rude awakening if they feel like they're just going to go from d1 to d3 and just you know kind of clean house or have success and just you know hey i was in a d1 room i was recruited by these guys so i should be able to make it in d3
1: and that's not how it works it's not always the case for sure <laughs> especially if you come to one of the Iowa schools, like you're going to have to wrestle one of the toughest tournaments in this area in college to even make it to the national tournament. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, I mean, you're going to bring your A game
0: for sure. You better. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier when you kind of were listing off guys like Royce Alger and Ryan Morningstar and your dad. Um, has it ever dawned on you that, like, you know, the younger kids who may be in kindergarten or whatever, who are coming up through the ranks now might be looking at you the same way that they were looking at you or your dad and Royce and them? Like, hey, that's Carter Apple, four-time state champ. He's a leg- legend at Lisbon. Like, has that ever dawned on you that that – might be a thing someday
1: or might already be a thing? I I don't know. I haven't really thought about it in that way at least but I'm sure it will. I mean Lisbon's room we have every state champion like fathead of them (laughs) on the top of the award stand like their picture like huge like it's like four, four foot tall on the wall with their name and every year they won. So like if you're a kid and you want to go in there and look like you can see all the legends up there. So I'm sure it'll, it will. I mean, in time, but there's still all those other ones up there to look at too. So mm-hmm.
0: you get back to those practices much in Lisbon?
1: Uh, no, I'm too no. busy here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year I went to, I went into their room for like Thanksgiving and they have like a little takedown tournament, like an open practice, and it's just Lisbon people. And I wrestled with Kale, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of watched. Yeah. Kale actually beat me, but really, it was a yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. a two minute period, and he beat yeah. me six to four. Yeah, but I mean, he's still got a long way to go. Yeah, of course. There's two, there was <laughs> seven five more minutes of the match we could have wrestled. Right, so you never know. <laughs> what what was your best position do you think were you good on your feet were you on bottom or top or um probably on my feet just because I'm comfortable there bottom sucks so no one likes that no one likes bottom <laughs> I got real I actually got really good on top in college just because just like riding wise just because it's a little different Cause like there's riding time and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I, I got really good at just keeping a guy down, you know, Matt returns and riding guys flat and stuff. And, but yeah, on my feet definitely feel very comfortable with my like high crotch. And that's probably my most comfortable position is actually in on a high crotch. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my best position. Yeah. You asked is like the high crotch or just on your feet. In Both. in the high crotch, <laughs> like like I have hands on the leg, head outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. So, what else are you doing now at Cornell? Are you you're just in a you're just a coach there? Like, yeah. do you do anything else at the university? Just head
1: wrestling, head assistant wrestling coach.
0: That's it. That's it. Yep. Nice. Um, what kind of led you to this job at Cornell? Like, how'd you kind of
1: uh, get offered there? Coaching with McDonough led me to Cornell because he was here. He was he was in my position last year Mm -hmm. as the head assistant. Then he got a new job just for his reasons. He had just family reasons. He needed to get a new job. Um but I was already helping him with his club that summer. And then I was starting to come in to help out at Cornell like I met some Cornell guys through him, met Coach Ham through him. And we, um, me and Ham, just, he was like, You wanna come in and help two days a week? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Yeah, sure. So I was like part time assistant. So I was getting like a stipend and, you know, I was just coming in. And then he just pulled me aside one day and was like, Hey, McDonough's got this going. We need a full time guy. And I was working at um, Elite Stone Fabrications, which is where my dad works. They do, like, granite and quartz countertops and stuff. And I was just okay. in the office just helping them out mm-hmm. um, in the summer and then just going and doing wrestling in the afternoon and nights. And then – so I was working there, and then when Coach Ham was like, hey, we need a full-time guy, are you interested? And I was like, like, full-time, like, quit my other job, do this. He mm-hmm. was like, yeah, and I was like – yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> then I kind of took a day or two or whatever it was, and I was like, yep, yeah, I am in. So ever since then, it's just been kind of full steam ahead. And I obviously had to, you know, finish, finish up my however long I was over there before I transitioned because I think there was probably a month period where there was kind of a transition period because they had to open up the position and then hire me as a new, like the interim. Actually, right. they just hired me as the interim coach that year, I think. And at the end of the year, they kind of just threw me in there. They opened it up and I ham hired me because yeah. that's just how it works. Like, yeah, right. Like Politics. the paperwork part, but yeah. But yeah, basically Ham was just like, hey, we need a full time guy. And I was like, All right, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you like, did you always have your eyes set on coaching or I mean, yeah. I was already helping out McDonough. Um, I was thinking about going to help out at the high school, um, and then I got hooked up here, so I started helping out here, and then it just all happened, and it was like, all right, let's do it. And I, I mean, I remember one of the. I've always wanted to coach. To answer oh, your question, yes. Yeah. But, um, I remember when I was. Like setting up all my school stuff to go to Iowa and like applying and everything. And it was like, what major are you looking into? And I texted, I remember texting Morningstar and saying, what is the major I should take if I want to get into coaching after college? And he was like, communication or sports studies. So I was like, sports studies it is. (laughs) I have a sports studies major, but that's all I've, I mean, coaching is. Basically, the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sports studies, that's what that was your major, huh? Uh huh. I got nice. a degree in sports studies and a minor in sports and rec management and human relations. Nice. Oh, is that a double minor? Yeah. Because nice. I was in school for so long and I just kept having to <laughs> add stuff on. <laughs> How long were you in school for? What, six years? Five years. I Five can't years? imagine okay. if I was going back for my sixth year. Because I had a sixth yeah. year COVID year, but I I would have had to actually, like, reapply to the school and restart and then just take however many credits so I was eligible. And then at the end of that year, just drop out. <clears throat> so, okay.
0: So, what would have kind of been like you would have had to get into, like, graduate school I could have done graduate
1: school I could have went to grad school but I didn't want to do grad school (laughs) so I didn't want to be hooked on going to grad school for two years or whatever so I would have just reapplied to school as like a brand new student and just just like pursued a new degree for that year and then just dropped
0: out yeah because some guys here you know I talked to some wrestlers here at Nebraska some of them went into what's called non-degree-seeking masters, you know? And so I don't know if that's kind of similar to I. That probably
1: would have been something similar I would have done, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Really? So you didn't take your COVID year? That's interesting because you're, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to wrestle another year? And you
1: decided not to. Yeah, well, what it came down to was paying for it. Um, And Ironman was coming back. And Max was at 49. So, if had Ironman not come back, my mind might have been leaning more towards coming back because that spot's open and I could have wrestled. But I was also, I mean, I already wrestled five years of college wrestling. I was ready to be done. Like, I was just, you know, I competed for a long time. Like, first grade until... What grade would my fifth year college be? <laughs> right or seventeenth grade or whatever. But yeah, that was a long much. time. So I was yeah. ready to kind of move on and start coaching. So yeah, and to my knowledge,
0: you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't many major injuries that you sustained. Mm-mm. So you know, you relatively came out relatively healthy. Yeah, which is also pretty big deal i no think it's hard yeah,
1: to come by i never i never tore any like big ligaments like and blow my knee out ever i think i had a little i had some issues like minor issues like mm-hmm. i remember my first year i kind of i had like a split disc in my low back Ooh. Um, but it wasn't bad like i still wrestled and <clears throat> Then the next year, I had a tiny, tiny little bit of a meniscus thing, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't even enough to get fixed. So it was, like, just kind of healed on its own. Mm -hmm. And then I had – not I didn't really have shoulder problems. My shoulders are just very old, so they just get sore. Mm -hmm. But um, then one year, I tore my – UCL and my thumb. Oh, really? Oh, shoot! And it was like a sliver from having to get surgery, so they decided not to. So then I wrestled in a cast, which kind of sucked because I had a plastic mold over my thumb, Mm -hmm. so I was wrestling like this kind (laughs) of. Yeah, yeah. So it was tough, but yeah, it was. It is what it is. But other than that, I didn't have. I didn't have anything else, so I was very fortunate.
0: Yeah, and you know how how mentally difficult is it to just be wrestling in the room and not actually out there competing? Is that like, is that tough sometimes to be like, gosh, you know, I, I wish I was out there, but I'm not.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it is, but like, I don't know. I just, I just like, I like watching my teammates wrestle. Like if I like, especially in Carver, like, that was, like, some of the stuff I, I'll never forget is just watching some of the guys wrestle on the bench. Like, I'll never forget Michael Kemmer beating Mark Hall. I'll never forget, this, like, all these matches just from the bench. Like, I remember we were wrestling Oki State one year, and Brandon Swanson was wrestling. Pretty tough kid, and he went out there and just throttled him, tech fault him. Like, I will never forget that match. There's just so many, like... It's just like, it's awesome. It's, yeah. It's the that in that aspect, I'm not sitting there saying, "Oh, I wish it was me," because like, I am just pumped for my teammates. But well, then, like, obviously, you want to wrestle at Big Tens. you want to wrestle at the nationals, so that happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think it happens with everyone too. But yeah, so. Sometimes it's tough, but when you're rest, when when you're on the team and you're on the bench with your with all your boys and you're out there wrestling in front of fifteen thousand people, or your your guys are wrestling in front of fifteen thousand people in Carver and you're in that experience and that atmosphere and it's just there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. How how did the
0: ten starters and the coaches and everything? How did they still keep you guys? A part of the team and make you feel you were part of the team, you know, even if you weren't out there competing. Like, what what did they kind of do to well, still make you feel a part of the team? Um, yeah, because you wh- are, you know, yeah, you are.
1: Yeah, one, I mean, one big message that Tom always <laughs> hammered on us and made us made us know is like his his saying was always, "We're well, a heartbeat away from the lineup, so like you got to be ready, like." What what if I'm behind Ironman and he's in practice and something happens and God forbid he gets hurt, like, and I'm out there screwing around and I'm not coming into practice and I'm like, oh, I'm not starting. I'm not coming to practice. I'm not going to work hard. And then that happens and I'm not ready. Then I lose my opportunity because they're not going to put me out there. If I'm not ready, they're going to put someone else out there. So that's always in your mind, like – hey, what if something happens? Like, I was ready. I was uh, Max Murin. I was behind Max Murin at 41, and uh, we wrestled in Purdue, and Lugo came down with something that week, and they're like, hey, let's just let's just skip this one, and we'll throw someone else out there. So then they're like, "Apple, we need to wrestle 49. So I bump up, and I wrestle 49. So it's just stuff like that. Like, you got to be ready. And then... Outside of the restroom, like I'm living, we all live together. We're all hanging out all the time. Um, You know, so everyone's pretty close with each other. We mm-hmm. all lived in like the same area right across the street from Carver. So we're always around each other. So we're all really good friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm just, I'm just taking this all in cause this was a great perspective about how a wrestler and how just a true athlete and somebody who loves the sport it's a good you're a good representative of how how you should act and how you want your teammates to act even if they're not you know one of them 10 guys you know you're just the epitome of what a good teammate at a university at a wrestling you know in a wrestling team should
1: act yep so and i got a story um just, that made me thought think of it, but I remember I was young. It was one of my first, first or second year at Iowa, and I was wrestling Gilman, and he just pummeled me like bad, and I was feeling sorry for myself, and he was just shoving me all over, and, you know, he was having his way with me, and I wasn't fighting back, and – he sat me down after practice and he gave it to me good. Like, Hey, I need you to push me. If you're going to do that crap, I'm not going to ask you to wrestle anymore. And I I need someone that's going to push me. So that made like click in my brain, like, Hey, if I want to wrestle Gilman, I got to fight him. Otherwise he's not going to ask me to be his partner. So then I'm sure other guys think that same way. So if I don't work hard against someone, like they need to get better and they're making me better by me trying to make them better. So that, like when he told, like, when he sat me down and like, he was giving me his turn talking to too, like it wasn't quiet. He was yelling, but that's just the way he's wired. Like if something's bothering that guy, he's letting you know. So, yeah. So when he, Talk to me about that. It just clicked in my brain. Like, hey, I need to be a good teammate, even if I'm not the starter. Like, I gotta go out there and get these guys better.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the, the, a lot of lessons that you learned from wrestling, you're translating now into your into coaching. I think you can relate, you know, into a wide realm of wrestlers. Who mm-hmm. aren't the starters, who are the starters, who might be bouncing back and forth. You just have a, a lot of experience. I think you're able to pass along.
1: Yeah. Cause when I see that in practice, like as a coach, I can pull that guy aside and be like, hey, I'm not going to let him wrestle with you anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're not pushing him, because how is he supposed to get better? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it relates, it relates to coaching. And I can see it with the whole team rather than just wrestling one guy and feeling it from him so
0: mm-hmm. when i'm on the
1: side and i see someone being lazy and getting their butt kicked and not fighting back it's like hey go over and kick him in the butt and tell him you're going because how i i mean they're going to switch you guys because i want him to get better and you're not getting better or you need to pick it up so mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a lot, the lessons that the starters are learning, you're learning the same thing because you're in the same practice as they are. So whatever yeah. they're, whatever they're getting preached at, you are too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just a lot of respect for everybody who's in that room and in that program and every program, you know, is it important for you as a coach, if you see that to go talk to them or are you, do you like to let the athlete lead the way kind of like how Gilman did, you know,
1: it wasn't Tom who come and said, Hey, Carter, need you to step it up. It was Gilman. I mean, I've heard Tom and Terry say that to so many guys. <laughs> so they're not afraid of doing it. And, I mean, when you're at that level, and, I mean, Gilman's wired different than a lot of other wrestlers, just his mentality and the way he's carries himself and everything. He's just a – I mean, he's – you, you know how he wrestles yeah that's yeah. how he is like he's mm-hmm. just hard nosed if he don't like it he's gonna let you know and i mean he did a lot for me too when i was young and i when I, he was one of my big time leaders when i was young in that program but mm-hmm. like that i would love if one of my athletes did that but it's my job to for them to see me do that and then be like hey maybe i should do that next time that is happening mm-hmm. like obviously we're he's probably not going to do it in the middle of practice but if it happens again in the same two kids are wrestling and i don't see it for whatever reason then maybe that kid will be like hey i'm done going with you because mm-hmm. i need to get better mm-hmm. so i mean maybe it'll happen but yeah. i think more there's more ways for me to like show guys to be leaders in the room like that than just that situation like mm-hmm. even this year when we were at when i was at iowa like tom's showing technique or terry's showing technique or morning whoever's showing technique like we're in a circle standing up watching paying attention and then this year sometimes someone gets lazy then they see one guy sitting down another guy sits down another guy sits on like hey i'm showing you a technique for 45 seconds like you can stand up so then one time i was off to the side and i grabbed one of our seniors like hey tom get him up and then I saw it throughout the practice and then throughout that whole week. And then eventually we learned that we need to stand up when we're, when someone's showing us technique, because it's just, it's too easy to not pay attention if you're laid back and, you know, and on your butt and you're just kind of like, Oh, not paying attention. But if you're standing, it's just, it's more respectful one. And two, I think you just pay better attention because you're not being lazy and on your butt and, And it shows me that you are, you care about what I'm showing you and you're paying attention and you're looking and yeah.
0: Yeah. Those are, that's just like the little nuances of culture. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just little things that it seems, sounds like you're trying to change culturally within the Cornell program that will lead to big changes. You know, it starts with standing up when I'm showing technique, but that might lead to all American, you know, it may not seem like that, but it as crazy as that sounds, but it's, it's
1: true. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I mean, coming from Iowa, I mean, it's one of the highest level programs in the country in any division. And then going into a program that I know is because I've been around it before. And I know the coach Duro and, I mean, he coached Tom and Terry when they were wrestling internationally, and so I mean, he's wired the same way Tom and Terry are. But and then Coach Ham was coached by Duro, obviously too. So then we're trying to build up back from what we lost when Duro stepped down. Mm-hmm. So just when I come into a room that I'm not used to, and I see these little things that I've never seen in the college room before, like at Iowa, it's like, it's easy for me to be like, hey, no, we're going to do this. No, we're going to do this way because, like, that's just the way I was trained. And that's I know that's the way Coach Darrell trained the brands, and I know that's the way Ham was coached by Darrell. So then there's just a transition period, like you said, building that culture back up that, hey, we're going to go and be the best we can be every year and try to win a national title. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be the way that we might have been before. Like, we're going to change a couple things, and we're going to build a culture around here so that I don't have to call you out on some stuff. And some of these guys on the team be like, hey, pick it up. And then the freshmen see that. And then when they're older, you know, it's 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 a lot about culture and having everyone on the team striving to be the best they can be getting better every day and, you know, and just getting rid of all the little crap that you don't need in the room.
0: Hmm. Yeah. 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 Kind of what you're saying. You might need to kick some athlete in the butt, you know, but a few years from now, four or five years from now, the athlete will be doing it and they'll be like, Hey, let's get going. Hey, stand up. You won't, you won't have to, cause you've already set that standard. Yeah. Exactly.
1: There should be just a higher standard Mm -hmm. with our guys. And I think we're headed in a really good direction with that um, because we got a lot of young guys, like I said earlier, that are passionate about wrestling. They work their tails off and they want to win at a high level. So Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, we have a pretty bright future with the young team that we have and they're all, I mean, we put the mats in today and there was, Twenty guys just rolling around with each other once we got the mats down.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So I mean, they're just they just want to get after it. Yeah. So that was nice to see. I was like, "Hey, who's getting on the mat?" And I was surprised by how many (laughs) hands got up. Mm -hmm. Because I, I mean, they had they've been on campus for not even a week, and so they're all itching at the bone to get back in the room. And we haven't had the room till now, so. Yeah. And as we
0: wrap up here, um, one thing I, I want to ask is about how difficult is it to get guys to come to Cornell? It's in Mount Vernon. You know, you obviously know the area very well. It's not like, you know, Mount Vernon is this big booming town. You know, it's kind of like Upper Iowa where it's in Fayette, where the town's really small and the town is almost the college. You know, is that difficult to be like, "Hey, come on over to Cornell," and they're like Mount Vernon. Uh, I don't think so. Um,
1: I think maybe you get that a little bit, but when we get a kid here, like to visit, like especially like they're you see it in the parents a lot, like they're surprised by just the community of Mount Vernon, like if they're from a bigger area, a bigger city, mm-hmm. like. Mount Vernon and Lisbon, like, yeah, we're it's small, so, like, not many people are used to that, especially if they're from a bigger area, mm-hmm. even, like, double the size of Mount Vernon, so not a big area, but, like, bigger, they just come here and they see, like, just the community and how it was, like, it's kind of just a small farm town that has a college in it so there's not a lot of crime there's not a lot of just riff-raff stuff like you see in the big cities um it's kind of quiet so some people like it and they just they get they're surprised by how nice it is mm-hmm. and then you got cedar rapids 15 minutes away if you want to go to the city and do whatever you got iowa city 25 minutes away if you want to go to wherever Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to live kind of away from it so that you're not in a loud city mm-hmm. um, and just kind of have a little your own little spot so mm-hmm. it surprises parents but I then like Coach Ham, he's told me a couple times how he's from Iowa City and he came here and was just shocked and he's never left so mm-hmm. he's still here <laughs> so he must like it yeah. because yeah and the Lisbon area, it's the same. I mean, they're touching. Lisbon and Mount Vernon are touching. Not the same town. Yeah, right, not right. Not the same right. town, nope. but they're touching. But they yeah. have similar aspects to it, like I just talked about. hmm
0: Yeah, I'm kind of like you. You know, you you went to Iowa
1: City, but where did you end up? You came back. You yeah, I'm not, I'm not a city. I'm not in. I'm not. I don't like the big towns. Yeah. I was ready to to leave Iowa City. Yeah and get back to a smaller area. Mm-hmm. Well, I was also
0: noticed that uh, some Cornell swag, you have uh, some new Cornell
1: swag. Stuff looks oh. really nice. Yeah, Cliff King hooked up. A- Cliff King, and we got, well, we got practice gear from Cliff King because um, Cliff King sponsors our home tournament. So we get, we get all our practice gear and team gear and stuff through them. But, yeah, our, our fan store. It actually closes tomorrow on mm-hmm. thirty eighth. So I'm sure people that are listening to this, you miss your chance. But uh yeah, we got some we got some nice stuff. Um tonight. we got a new we got new branded everything for like all the sports. Mm-hmm. So we're kinda all going with the same theme. Um mm-hmm. but it's nice because the brand we got it's like a circle with a ring around it. So it actually looks like a wrestling mat. So it works really <laughs> good for us. Yeah. Um so yeah. It's been There's just like a lot of excitement around Cornell right now, like within Mm -hmm. our building, because we got a new building and everyone's been away for COVID for the last two years, working from home, and now everyone's kind of in their new building. Everyone's working in offices all right down the hall from each other. Everyone Mm -hmm. can see each other's faces. We All the students just came back on campus. So there's just a lot going on. Everyone's excited. So, Yeah with
0: With a new school year, you know, kind
1: of brings that new
0: mm-hmm. new energy and new kids on the campus, and yep just, yeah, that hope you know there's some hope and just a lot of like I said energy
1: yeah, I've been waiting all summer for <laughs> wrestling to come back, yeah, for our Cornell guys, and now that school started, and we're kind of getting things going. It's gonna be over so fast. Yeah, I know. I already know. As last yeah. year went so fast, and I didn't even start full time until November, mm-hmm. and it still went fast. So I'm sure it'll go pretty quick again.
0: Yeah. Have you started like light workouts and and stuff like that yet? Uh,
1: no, we haven't. We can't like officially do like team practice like mandatory till October 10th Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so we kind of we have like a strength program one of our assistant coaches that he's a lifting coach and he gives them stuff to do so they'll start doing that Mm -hmm. this week and then we'll have like open rooms for them to just come and work out yeah yeah but it's all gotta be like voluntary until Mm -hmm. the season actually starts but we got we got a good group they're gonna they're gonna do it Mm Yeah. yeah, you know,
0: you got to start somewhere, and like you said, you know, uh, the late Mike Dero, you know, Coach Dero, you know, would probably be proud at where where it looks like it's the trajectory is going. Mm-hmm. I, I hope know. so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I appreciate you taking some time to to chat with me about you know everything from your experience to what you're doing now. You know, it's it's been awesome, insightful. Very insightful
1: for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I was, I was, I was excited (laughs) when you asked me, because I'd actually just, I actually just did one with a local guy, his podcast. Uh, He's a Mount Vernon kid and he went, he played football at Cornell and he has his own podcast. So I actually just did that like last month. So when you asked me, I was like, what's going on? People ask me to do podcasts and stuff. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's fun. Cause I can talk. People always give me crap. Cause I just talk, 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 talk. But, yeah.
0: Oh, well you're very punctual and you were very, you know, informative and I thought you were very good articulate as well. So um, the way I introduce my guests is I play their walkout song or a song that they relate to or whatever. So like for you, what would that be? If you had like a walkout song or if you had a song that you're like,
1: this is me, this is like, my song. And we could play my walkout song in Iowa. But, yeah, I'll probably go with that one. Um uh, right. It was Copperhead Road by Steve Earle. Copperhead Road. By who? Steve? What's his name? Steve, Steve Earl.
0: Copperhead Road. How does that song it go? It starts with, like, the bagpipes. Okay. Yeah. And there's, like, a dance to it in there? There's a dance to it, yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yes. Yes. I know that song. Okay. It mm-hmm. rings
1: a bell. It's like a, it's like, yeah. You know? yep. But it's got yeah. a good, it's got a good first beat that mm-hmm. I always liked. But did you walk out like, did you time it? You I know, tried so? to. Yeah. You know, everyone tries. To, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, we actually saw him live in Iowa City once Tom took really? me and a couple other guys. <laughs> it was like, hey, Steve Earl's. Apple, that's your walkout song. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go. Uh, watch him. He was at like the Engler Theater. So we went. We went and watched him with. It was like me and Stoll and Tom and I think Sammy Brooks might have went. Really? Turk maybe. A couple guys. Yeah, he was good. He played it right away. I and was gonna I say, you know, and then I didn't know. I only knew like. Two other songs they was playing. Other than that, didn't really know anything. But I got to, I got to see that song live. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Awesome. <laughs> and, What's it? What was
0: it like? You know, running out there, Carver Hawkeye Arena, your first time when they go and now uh, here comes Carter Heppel and they play the they do the flames and your song. I mean that lights are out. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean you can't. I couldn't even hear. You can't hear the announcer say your name. Yeah. I just think I'm listening to the song, <laughs> and walking out, and. I mean you I don't look in you try not to look in the stance. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then you just get out there and it happens so fast too. Like your song starts playing and you go out there and then and I don't know why this always happened to me. Because some people they go out and like they're pacing back and forth like side to side, then the mm-hmm. ref like pulls them in. But they always time my match perfect with the TV. Like with, because it was on TV and they were like, time mine. Because, so like, the Big Ten duels, you'd wrestle two matches and do commercial. So, yeah. then I would be the third. So, there would be a little break, but they would always time mine perfectly to when the like TV would like be like, go. So, like, I would go out there and then and it just happened so fast, like, rest there, shake hands, go. So, it was like, <laughs> There was like one time in however many matches I wrestled where I was out there for like ten or fifteen seconds before the ref was like, "Okay, go." All the other ones was like, "All right, we're ready." You come out straight onto the <laughs> mat and shake hands and go. It just happens so fast. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And you try to you try to give Tom or whoever's standing there a high five or whatever. The Santo mm-hmm. gets slapped in the face, but we're not all in. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> What did what you just got a high five? That's all you did. I would just, I mean, I run right by him. Yeah, if he was there, I'd give him a high five. If he wasn't, whoever was there, if they put their hand out, most of the time Tom was standing there with his hand out Mm because yeah, but yeah, DeSanto just walk right up to him, face him, slap me, slap, and he'd say harder. Sometimes he said harder. (laughs) There was that one video that he said harder, Mm -hmm. but. I don't think he did that every time, but he did get a pretty good hit across the face, Matt. Or the yes. it never hit him in the face. Tom would always hit him in the headgear. Yeah. yeah, crazy. He's crazy. Intense. I can go on and on about him. But. Yeah. <laughs> what?
0: Uh, what was it like? Last, like, yeah. Last question. I'll wrap up here. But what was it like? You know, the first time somebody asked you for your autograph, like, "Hey, Carter, can I get your autograph?" And you were like. Me, oh, okay, like, or
1: were you? I, even, or, I mean, I don't even remember when it would have been, had to have been in college. I don't think people would have asked me in high school. At well, there's some Lisbon old Lisbon guys that they've been to every state tournament for like the last 35 years or whatever, and they got all them, the booklets or whatever the programs and they have all the Lisbon state qualifiers sign it. So that was actually probably my first signature. But yeah. as, a, like, a fan, someone coming up to me, like a kid or whatever, it probably, probably didn't do anything until college. But I don't even remember. Yeah. So I do remember one time I was – we were at Michigan, and um, I wrestled in that duel. And we had the Sorensen headbands the mm, yeah. and strong headbands. Yep. And I yep. was wearing one. Mm-hmm. And a kid came up and asked me if I could get give him his head give him my headband. So I was like, "All right." And I gave it to him. Really? But I don't know. I don't know if he knew who he was talking to. All I know is that a kid came up, straight up to me and asked me if he could have my headband. And I gave it to him because I had more. Oh, yeah. So I was like, "Sure, sure, go ahead." And then mm-hmm. I yeah. I think he got a pic- I think we took a picture too. I don't remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I got, go ahead. I got my Sorensen strong headband yeah. back over
1: there. I yep. got two, mm-hmm. I got two, um, at my house and I keep, I'm keeping one for sure because I've, uh, so me and uh, my girlfriend and her family go out to Colorado. Well, I've go with them, I guess, um, every year. Um, just as a family trip, and we've climbed some 14ers. I don't know if you see Nelson Brand's pictures, like he does all those mountains, yeah, those 14,000 feet. But I've done three of them, and I've done all three with the Sorensen uh handkerchief around my neck or around some. nice. So I'm keeping that one because I want to every time I do one, I'm going to wear that. But uh, I got another one somewhere, yeah, but yeah, that was a, those were. Those are awesome to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorensen's – I mean, he's awesome. He's an awesome dude and I loved having above the being a part of the team with him and being mm-hmm. a teammate for him. And he would he used to put some beatbones on me too. Mm-hmm. He was very good. But yeah, he was a big big time mentor for me just as like a kind of leading like just by action. Mm-hmm. You know, he just the way he carried himself and trained and competed is just something that I looked up to at least when I was younger. So,
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. I wrestled a little bit with his older brother, Blake. Yeah. And so it's funny. They, they seem a little bit opposite, you know, I don't know if you know, Blake, but he's a little more, he he's quiet in a sense like Brandon, but uh, you get him off the mat. He's kind of, he's kind of funny and just kind of a little more louder, but Yeah yeah but anyway all right yeah um cool this was great i appreciate you taking some time i know you're a busy man now with school starting recruiting you know you're the head assistant you got a lot of responsibility so i just appreciate you sitting down and taking some time to, to chat with me but
1: yeah it was awesome yeah, thanks yeah. for thanks for asking me
0: thanks again for listening to this episode of the let's talk wrestling podcast special thanks to my guest carter happel for taking the time to sit down and chat with me cover art created and designed by Kristen gill please feel free to rate comment and subscribe to this podcast you can also check me out on facebook twitter instagram and snapchat to hear more of my content and as always be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Lastly, don't forget to check out the show notes for more information about the Gear Up campaign and visit their website. Again, that website is national.beatthestreets.org slash let's talk wrestling. Take care and we will see you next time.